so now it's a matter of us pulling it all together to light the whole joint and, and putting on what I think will be a brilliant showcase for the sport. Yeah, we'll be honest with ourselves next week, as usual, and say, OK, it's a stonking result, but what could we have done better? Finding that passion for racing again. You know, stop looking at it like my job and, and go back to just doing it because I love racing cars and I love competing and that's really what's changed this year. Hi everyone, welcome to Inside Supercars. Shane Van Gisbergen from the Red Bull Holden Racing Team here. Welcome to Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. It's been a fascinating development. It's only just come out only minutes ago virtually that there is a parity adjustment and the aero of the Mustang to come. Uh, exciting news, Craig, or is it just uh, confounding news? It seems amazing that uh, so early in the season that now the second uh, nobbling, shall we call it, of the Mustang. It's uh, quite extraordinary. Very interesting to see the action that has been taken this week. It's not giving teams a lot of time because as we go to air, it is heading towards the Anzac Day break, and when you consider that the trucks have to be on the road from Queensland particularly uh, for, what, four days to make it over to Perth legally, then they've got their work ahead of them with a public holiday. It'd be interesting to see if the teams have prepared for this decision and had been given a heads up, here are the areas we're looking at. We're going to, you know, clip your under tray. We're going to change the end plates on the wing, etc., etc., and uh, they've been already working on a mitigation strategy and had parts ready to bolt on, or whether they've got to go back to the drawing board now and develop these parts from scratch. From what we've read, Craig, um, that there has been additional uh, testing done um, and maybe some aero testing with uh, D2H, the English... uh, No, they're the uh, uh, American uh, company... Um, that uh, looking at the aero on the uh, three cars and that uh, the changes that have been mooted, in fact, now areas that were at one stage suggested there might only be one of them done, but uh, it's both the front will be have less air uh, under, under flow and therefore less downforce. The rear will have less downforce with the side plates uh, also uh, trimmed in size as well as the actual gurney flap cut down in size. So uh, it's uh, quite a substantial amount of work. Um, as you said, that, uh, you know, have they been given the heads up to... Uh, I, I'd suggest that they knew that something was coming, but maybe not the full extent of. Makes sense, though. If you think about the car's balance, the car has got downforce on the front, downforce on the rear, and if, you, if the uh, ruling body is going to make a change it actually makes a sense to take it off the front and the back. What you would imagine they're trying to do is take off the same amount. So if they're taking um, 100 kilos or 80 kilos off the nose, they'd need to take 80 kilos off the rear. Otherwise, it would very much disadvantage the Ford teams because if you took, say, 100 kilos off the rear then the car's going to be light in the rear and it's going to take the teams a long time, or well, it's going to take them more time to then retune their cars. And when you consider there's an event in two weeks' time which they don't have time to practice or test for, it means they'd be rolling out of the trailer with, uh, with cars that are, are completely unknown, whereas if they're just taking X amount of kilos, let's say 100 for the point of the exercise, kilos off the nose and tail... In theory, the car balance should remain the same. Now, I'm drawing a very long bow, not being 
um, a race engineer of supercars stature. Yeah, look, it gets back to that comment that you got from uh, Scott McLaughlin on the Sunday night talking about the uh, the way in which uh, his car behaved uh, at the, uh, the Phillip Island race weekend compared to when they tested there earlier in the year. And it was that interesting thing where Scott actually said the car did feel better. Now, you know, the suggestions being that uh, the, the change to the centre of gravity with the 28 kilos being bolted up in the roll cage may not have had the uh, dramatic influence that some had suggested uh, at Phillip Island because they're big, wide, open corners, very fast. Whereas if it was a sudden change of direction, it's like 90-degree corners, then that would be that change that would have a bigger impact. So it's that uh, interesting comment from uh, Scotty that you got. Yep, and what is also, you speak to engineers and particularly older engineers, and they go, well, we've been moving the weight around the car for years to elicit a different response from the car. So it's an old engineering trick, move the ballast around. So if, you know, and we don't have the same rules as, say, in a NASCAR where there's left-side rates, uh, left-side weight rules. Um, but, yeah, it's not uncommon to, for yeah. teams to have raised ballast or, or moved ballast backwards and forwards to help with the performance of the car on a certain circuit. Well, it all makes up for a very interesting uh, Perth Barbagello round coming up in two weeks' time, uh, or ten days or so, and uh, it's uh, an added uh, interest in the mix is that um, I will, as you will be able to, watch it uh, live on television um, for the first time in a number of years since there has been the Fox deal that Supercars has relented so that an extra round of the six that go free-to-air will be on uh, from Perth, so that's a terrific for for all the fans who don't sign up for Fox. And it also could be part of the fact that Fox and Ten have got some very close linkages. And you know, is this going to be branded as you know supercars on Fox on Ten? So we'll see a lot of well, for you, those watching the Ten coverage, are going to see a lot of. Fox cross promotions and a lot of references to Fox throughout the broadcast um, because we do see on the 10 network you have like Fox After Dark programs being played on one of their stations. So I think it's just continuing to cement the relationship between the free-to-air broadcaster and the subscription-based broadcaster. It's great news for fans who don't have the subscriptions but it's also uh, good for supercars who then get to say, well, here's an extra X amount of thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of eyeballs that were on this event in particular. Indeed, indeed. So um, you've been listening to some interesting conversations, I understand, Craig. Uh, uh, some that uh, David Caruso, uh, Michael Caruso and David uh, Reynolds have been having with Sean Seymour. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, on the Below the Bonnet podcast, uh, uh, Andrew Van Leeuwen... David and Michael, who uh, had a chance to have a chat with Sean Seymour. And it was interesting to see some of the things he put on the agenda, Tony, uh, particularly in and around engines. And I know you take great interest in the engineering side of supercars. And he's rightly pointing out that they've got to bring the cost of engines down because more so than a manufacturer getting involved in supercars and having the car shape right 
it is a huge impediment to a manufacturer getting involved when the engines are the uh, highest dollar value item on the race car. The uh, way in which this is happening, um, it seems like that there are various stories being leaked out there sort of thing. This is uh, turbo four litres and... uh, uh, it, it doesn't seem, you know, I mean... I don't it know if it's like leaked when Sean Seymour says it on a radio program. Interesting show this week. We're uh, talking to engineers. Um, we've got uh, Phil Keed, um, who, of course, is uh, race... To, well, not just race engineer. He's, in fact, the engineering director with Team 18, and they've had great success. Not such a good weekend at Phillip Island as they had at Tassie. But uh, still... Uh, uh, Mark Winterbottom was putting the 18 uh, ZB Commodore up there regularly in the top 10. That was a good result for them. As you'll hear from Phil, he's saying the team is tracking the way he had expected. They probably, uh, well, you'll hear from Phil about the whole Tasmanian result, but um, yeah, he's he's very happy with the way things are going, and you'll find out why in this interview. After the break, we'll be back with Phil Keane and Team 18. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck. For Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Dick Johnson from DJR Team Fenske. And you're on Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Phil Keed is now going to tell us of the post-Phillip Island weekend. Well, Phil Keed, before you head back to Canada, I thought we'd get a feeling of your last two weeks in Australia and very much the highs and lows of supercars experienced over the course of the two weeks. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, we, we are expecting to have a bit of a learning experience here. We, we still don't know the car very well, and I think all the ZBs... You know, a couple of them did really well today, I think, but all the ZBs have got a little bit of work to do at the really high speed. They set the bar with the Mustang and the Fords in general. So, yeah, and the Nissan, of course. So, yeah, and it did turn out how it was. So Tassie was possibly a little bit better than we could have expected, and he was a little bit worse. I mean, we're shooting for about your P10 and grow and learn, so... With the structure that you're putting in and overseeing now, how is that all gelling together? Because coming in, you're an assistance-based regimented person. How do you see all that being developed? And particularly, are you able to say, I need this, this and this done whilst I'm away, and that's being followed through? Yeah, no, no, I mean, the boys are, the boys are solid. They get, they get it all done. Um, we're all just building and growing things, you know. So it's, I, it, I'm really happy with all of that. I think the... Um, you know the the work we've got to do. It'll go on for for ages. Tassie is one of those ones that pace is good, so it all so it all goes goes better than it, it should. And, and we still got three or six months of just putting everything in place. One run like Tassie though does really raise expectations, and 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 I guess that makes when things sort of level and regulate again, it makes it a, a much bigger disappointment. Yeah, absolutely, it does. But you know. 
I think you've got to come away from Tassie saying we learned these things and that's good. Here we've we've learned actually more than in Tassie and that's a good thing. But uh, you know, I think we're shooting for at the moment for an average position of seven to twelve or whatever. We're still in that envelope and it didn't go great. It doesn't feel awesome, but it's it, we learned a lot this weekend and, and a couple of big problems yesterday we fixed. So this is the track that you test for Bathurst, though. So I guess this is where you're going to take those learnings and, and put them together f- for the biggest race of the year. Yeah, it is. Although I, I think um, I think it's interesting that that you know obviously very different the, the Mustang and the Nissan to the the. Uh, ZB where Bathurst differs is that it it's really is a bit of a drag track and here is just aero you know we're a lot aero and high speed balance and uh, while we don't have that the drag thing is as Tazzy showed is a complete reverse so it'll be very interesting but Bathurst as uh, no I'd say Bathurst is almost more positive after these last two weekends than uh, than not. Well, you enjoyed from the sideline the night race at Sydney last year. What about uh, going to Perth for a night race? New surface, there's a lot of variables being thrown in. Yeah, I mean, the new surface definitely, we saw Zoe 4, but it changed it just ridiculously. It went from the worst deg track to the, the least deg track. Um, so I think, you know, that, that will completely change it. Won't be as much. It'll, it'll be more of a neutral track, I'd predict. The Fords are just very quick, the, the two red ones anyway at the moment. So, yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. All right, Phil, have a safe trip back to Canada and we'll look forward to seeing you again on track soon. Thank you. After the break, we'll be back with Tim Newton, the race engineer on number 19, who's with Jack LeBrock, who had a complete change his second year in the series with Techno Autosport. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to um, take the win off him. So, it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptors and the family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Macaulay Jones I'm from the Cool Drive Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Tim Newton now with Techno Autosport. How do you sum up the first race weekend of the year? Uh, trying and very challenging. <laughs> Putting together another race team is, you know, we, we were a little late to the party. ECU updates, technical issues, uh, just timeliness various really is, is always a challenge. And then the heat. The heat at Adelaide is always a big one. So yesterday we didn't really fire a shot in the race. Um, Jack was wounded pretty early on with about 40 laps to go. He had a really sore foot. So, you know, just pressed on as best he could, using both feet to brake. But really it was just get home, save the car for tomorrow. Tomorrow ended up being today. And, you know, we were sort of trucking on all right. But um, calibration issues that we haven't got on top of with this new ECU upgrade. Um, the people we've got working for the team are awesome. We've got great support, but um, we just got unstuck without a fuel pressure warning that had been a bit of a bugbear all weekend. So that in mind, we were um, three corners short on our fuel strategy. We probably wouldn't have changed much from, from what we did, and it probably wouldn't have changed much from where we ended up. So it's just one of those deals that you look like you've got a bit, a bit of egg on your face. we got our, you know... 
We've got our pants around our ankles at the moment when we're just sort of learning in public. It's going to be the same way for a few rounds. It's really tight, tight first start to the year. So, you know, like, we'll just, we'll just truck on and press on and try and get the procedures and the people right at the shop. And what happens on race day in public is what happens. And it's just how it is. And that's the beautiful thing about motorsport. And it's the ugly thing about it. But that's why we keep coming back. Now, Tim, two years ago we were speaking to you and you were over at LDM. Last year you were helping out uh, Terry Wahoon at uh, Image Racing. And I guess back there they've got the Linear Springs. You come back here, they've got the Linear Springs. And there's been a lot of talk about Linear Springs, but um, it's funny how when you walk up and down the uh, pit lane, today everyone's talking about ECU. Yeah, and it's just, look, car preparation is key. It's vital. It's the attention to detail. It's having the time. It's having the headspace. It's all those sorts of things. So, yep. Linear springs, they're a big deal, but in essence, it's the strategy is still the same. You're still looking for the same char- characteristics from the... Your toolkit's changed, but you're still, you're still pulling out your spanners, you're still pull, pulling out your sockets. Whatever you've got to be able to tune what you've got, it sort of doesn't matter what's available. It's more the interpretation from the driver, getting the data to sink in, and then pressing on with those tunes, which you know work. And, I mean... In reality, the twin spring's a beautiful thing for an engineer to get his head around, and it's um, you can get lost in its paradise for an engineer, but it's not necessarily the best thing for racing. And I think I think you see a lot more attitude out of the cars now, and and you've got to make a tire work, and you've got to make it live. And I don't know. I'm, I'm it's, as a, as a race fan, the linear is always going to be the way to go. As an engineer, I just like the complexity. So there's the two sides to it. Um, can you just bolt in a development series set up into a main game car no like it doesn't work like that can you just take what you've done last year with a, sh- a certain chassis and then transfer it to another make no like there's so many bespoke components your your roll rates all that sort of thing is just different and based around the the fundamental principle of the guy who designed the upright around the tire not around a linear spring or a dual spring sir now you've got some uh new parts coming to update the car and they're maybe not ready for the Grand Prix but should expect them before Tassie and Phil Island. Yeah, for sure. Jono's, like, he's, he's no deal. He's put together a pretty good team. We know where we're coming from. We know what last year was. Um, we, we don't hide away from any of that. We have development stuff coming from Big Brother up the road and they've been exceptional to us. We'll just keep pressing on in that direction, learn as much as we can from them try and give Jack the same car every time I think that's key especially for the first first 30 of the year as we get towards Enduros he needs to have that same tool under him so if we can do that I'll tune up the data acquisition we'll get to the point where we can meaningfully just tune for performance and not worry about the maintenance if we can do that we're kicking goals before Enduros well Tim we look forward to catching up with you uh, after the next couple of rounds to see how that progress is developing all right, thank you. Tim Newton, we've been catching up with you now throughout the season. How is developments going? Particularly with there's a lot of outside noise at the end of Phillip Island. Yeah, there's a lot of noise. There's, there's a lot of noise on track. There's a lot of noise off track. There's a lot of noise behind the scenes. And it's just that part of the year that things are starting to heat up and everyone's starting to find their place, and especially, you know, in on the grid and within each team, I suppose. So, yeah, for us... It's just dealing with that noise and um, trying, to, trying to knock it down as best we can. So we're getting a lot of things in place. We've sort of ended up today, frankly, where we'd like to start the weekend. So, you know, it's sort of 
two steps back, one step forward, and it feels that way for a long time. But we're genuinely making gains. We're all learning about it. So technically we're going all right. Procedurally we're evolving. Personnel-wise we're all sort of starting to hit our straps and know whichever, which, which role and position each, everyone fits inside the team. So I can, I can see... You know, as a bit of a race fan, I'm watching my own team as well, and I can see everyone evolving. So we've got what we've got. Let's build with that, and then just keep the simple things happening, and keep filling in the spreadsheets. And hopefully, um, that consistency flies into the compi- flows into the cockpit, and um, yeah, the driver starts to to build momentum that way. With so many changes in the team, I think you got you got two guys, two mechanics that have remained from. 2018 so how do you go with a playbook and information on what the car was like last year yeah it's difficult that information does exist but i don't know it's it's a bit of a human human thing you sort of got to live it to understand it and then there's also reading reading quite a bland set of notes from last year it doesn't tell the full story so it's very hard to put yourself in the position of where were they last year. It takes a lot of time and a lot of effort, and for the most part, it's important. And you flick through it, but you'll never really, you'll never really capture the thought processes that went on behind the scenes. You know, like um, for example, you might have run a similar shock package all weekend, and for me, reading it now, you go, "Well, why wouldn't you try this? This might not have been available." So. I can't put my knowledge from now into the history channel. It's a really hard thing to calibrate for your own mind. So, yes, there's information. Obviously, we lean on Triple Eight. When they have a tough weekend, we have a tough weekend. Simple as that right now. So it's a lot of positives. A lot of um, the customers, we're all working pretty well together. Everyone gets along. So I think we've got a common enemy at the moment, and um, they're red ponies. So <laughs> that's impressive and it's inspiring. But, yeah, we also band together, and that's enabling us all to work pretty well. So... Everyone's chipping in. You go to the next track now with new surface and completely new race conditions. Normally you know it's going to be quite warm at Perth, but going into the evening and into the night on a new surface is going to be a, a very crazy time for everyone to try and recalibrate. Yep, yep, thanks for those sobering words. Absolutely. Um, there's going to be... But that's for us, that's a good thing because um, the clean slate is what I'm sort of working with. So to be... Um, and like the twin spring, the loss of it anyway has changed everything. Like everything you read from last year, everything set up wise, uh, you do your strategy research, it all sort of flies out the window. You've got to be on your feet. You've got to be able to think about it. You can see from the in-car footage that every one of these drivers now is earning their spot. Like there's, there's no passengers in these cars. They are set to kill and they're pretty evil to drive at the moment so it's great it's very entertaining and um hopefully everyone's clean clean slate at perth yeah i have to ask will you have the same driver in perth as you had in phillip island in the beginning of the season hey everyone keeps asking and i keep saying the same thing which is i have no idea i'm just keeping well clear of all that um honestly for me as the engineer it makes little to no difference. I really love Jack. Um, the team is what it is. We're at a situation where we're in a rebuilding phase. And for that, we've got to start making you know choices that are good for the team. So that's my perspective looking out. What that actually means, I'm not privy to those conversations. And I don't want to know because it's conflict. I don't care. It's really got nothing to do with how I 
you know, build the shock absorbers and keep the boys um, building the sub-assembly. So that's sort of where I'm at. Well, we look forward to catching up with you again after Winton when we'll next meet. All right, lovely. Thanks, Craig. After the break, we'll be back with our final thoughts on this week's Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think, is a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian time since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Join in the conversation, post your thoughts on our Facebook page and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. Welcome to Inside Supercars. This is Ryan Story from DJR Team Penske. Enjoy the show. Inside Supercars, it's uh, our final thoughts for this week. Mine is virtually that I'm looking forward to on the edge of my seat to watching the Perth Super Sprint because uh, I never saw, I don't think I actually saw even highlights of the Eastern Creek or Sydney Motorsport Park event last year. You happened to see both nights. Um, it was pretty exciting. It was a very interesting evening. It was a very enjoyable evening, and Supercast put on a, a fantastic series of um, nights, and particularly that race night, that one big race. I, I really liked the one big race. No one would be surprised I said that. But that night they had entertainment. They had it really pitched, in my opinion, perfectly for the punters. And uh, in and around the fact that it was a night event, they were able to leverage fireworks and a whole bunch of other things that you don't normally get to see during the day. So it'll be very interesting now that they're going to do it over two racing nights instead of one racing night and how they managed to get that energy and excitement up for this race where we're going to be assured that the fans over in Perth are going to have a high energy is it going to translate back east? Can't see why not. I think the bull ring at um, Perth is going to make for an even better racing layout. And when you consider you know, the difficulties of that track, even though it has been resurfaced, it should be a very exciting and interesting uh, couple of nights of racing. Let's hope that they go to the trouble, that's the television producers, of actually producing unique intros because running the same one as they did at Phillip Island, running the same packages over two days is a really dreadful, lazy way to go because the one thing that people want to do when they're either paying for a subscription or just giving their time, they don't want to see the same program on consecutive days. And unfortunately, Supercars too often has slipped into this mantle saying, oh, we've got a, an intro package here, we'll just run the same one two days. No, lazy, they shouldn't get away with it. It'd be the same as a newspaper producing the same article two days in a row. They should not be allowed to get away with it. And the listeners and the viewers should make sure they tell the television people, don't sell us short. Get off your asses and produce a new show. That's it from Inside Supercars this week. And it's good night from me. And good night from him. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.